Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. The other night, the President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump, delivered his State of the Union address for this year 2018, but to a great extent pertaining to the year just past. And I'm going to comment on his address for probably the entirety of this program. I am going to specifically refer to individual portions of his address only, not referring to everything he had to say, but focusing on certain elements, certain aspects of his address. Beginning with his statement that Less than one year has passed since I first stood at this podium to speak on behalf of the American people and to address their concerns, their hopes, and their dreams. The sentence that I just quoted, I did not use quotation marks. I'm not going to be using them, and hopefully that will not cause confusion. This matter of what President Trump said is, of course, typical of presidential and political addresses. He says, the American people, their concerns, their hopes, their dreams, all Americans, in essence, are pooled together as if it is a homogeneous body, okay, We're all the same. We all love the same things. We all want the same things because we all believe the same things. We all have the same convictions. What a terrible and ruinous lie that is. And it's not a matter of (laughs) from a, a minor standpoint. This has to do with the crux of the issue of all of the terrible, terrible society-destroying agenda that has been put forth by those within the United States of America who are against the United States of America, against what it is supposed to be, what it was created to be, intended to be. So I will reference this time and again. Perhaps you will think of it as harping away on something, but it's something of absolute critical importance. So the president slavishly refers to his audience this way over and over and over again as if they are a homogeneous unit And in such great agreement, the American people is not merely composed or comprised of people of different races, from different backgrounds, and so on and so forth. It is now composed of and comprised of people who are at war with the United States of America, not just Islamo-fascist terrorists, no, but those who have been and continue to be at war with a godly America. 
at war with righteousness and decency and goodness. And that is absolutely critical to understanding of this nation and of the exceedingly precarious situation this nation is in. It goes without saying, however, that this president, as all of his predecessors, will, regardless of what was stated when he campaigned for the presidency, will state that the State of the Union is strong. They always say the State of the Union is strong when they are in office. I'm not aware of any exceptions. Perhaps there has been at some point or other. President Trump goes on to say, each day since we have gone forward with a clear vision and a righteous mission to make America great again for all Americans. Well, if that has been a clear vision, a consistent, cohesive mission, it certainly has not been communicated that way, has it? I mean, every day over the past year, there has been this melodramatic soap opera-ish give and take and sparring. I understand that the president and his executive administration is not responsible for a significant amount of the derisive chatter and blather and what have you and attacks in the media that have been made against the president and his administration. Some of it is self-inflicted. Some of it they have brought upon themselves or he has brought upon himself and upon his administration. But I'm talking about what has come forth from the president, from this president and his administration. You know, he didn't have to slavishly follow in the footsteps of previous administrations. He didn't have to succumb to this matter of business as usual, as how he addressed the American people, how he communicated with the American people. He didn't have to, but he has chosen to, just to fall into that, with the sole exception being his loathsome decision to use Twitter, to tweet to the people of the United States of America and to the world at large. Spontaneously, off the cuff, off the top of his head, in the wee hours of the night. He did this during the campaign and he's continued to do it to his detriment, to the detriment of his administration And he has succeeded in completely obscuring that clear vision and his righteous mission, so-called. He also, going back to when he campaigned all the way up to the present, he invariably makes exaggerated claims. This isn't something particular only to Donald Trump and his administration. By no means. This is very common, very often heard and seen from politicians from coast to coast and round the globe, making undue claims, excessive claims, taking credit for anything and everything that supposedly is praiseworthy and denying responsibility for anything and everything that may be severely criticized. 
But just because it's common behavior doesn't mean it's presidential, doesn't mean it's what he should do. I thought it was unseemly for Trump, the entertainer, or the magnet, the mogul, let alone the presidential candidate and how much worse as the president. But he continues to do that. And I would advise him, counsel him not to do that. But I understand when you're being hammered by your foes, when they are making all of these outrageous, exaggerated claims, attacks, and what have you, I understand that he may feel the need to defend himself by this means of exaggerating his successes and so forth. But I still would advise against it. I think it diminishes his credibility. It certainly does with me. Moving on with his address, we come to the matter of Congressman Steve Scalise, who is the majority whip in Congress in the House of Representatives, who was murderously attacked and who miraculously survived. And the president, among other remarks he makes here, says the following. In the aftermath of that terrible shooting, we came together, not as Republicans or Democrats, but as representatives of the people. And he goes on to say, but it is not enough to come together only in times of tragedy. Well, let's go back to that statement. In the aftermath of that murderous attack, not only of Congressman Steve Scalise, but of all of the Republicans who were there at that field for that charity game, charity softball game, I believe it was, softball or baseball, believe it was softball, who were murderously attacked. Do you remember what took place in the immediate aftermath of that? Do you remember the statements that were made by various Democrats concerning Steve Scalise and wishing him dead? Do you remember the statements made by a certain national news anchor who stated that this was self-inflicted, that Steve Scalise brought this upon himself, that he was responsible for this? Do you remember that? Oh, but it's we the people. We're all together. We came together. Really? That's a lie. The fact of the matter is that following that murderous attack, which was intended to be mass murder, but failed to be, immediately after it, there were these remarkably vicious hateful, unspeakably wicked statements that were made by many political opponents and even in the media, even in the mass media, such as that one particular national news anchor. But to hear the president tell it, no, we were just a unified nation all coming together, all horrified by this attack. Do you remember the Republican woman, member of Congress, or Republican Congresswoman, if you prefer, who was threatened with murder? Do you remember that? Do you remember her office being called 
and the murderous messages that were made. The president doesn't remember, conveniently doesn't remember, and I think, you know, probably in the recesses of of his mind, he does remember, but it's not the kind of thing that you put in a statement to the American people. Heavens no. Instead, you can completely deny it, outrageously deny it, pretend that things are the way that it would be in some fanciful place that is not the United States of America. Then he goes on to say the following, So let us begin tonight by recognizing that the state of our union is strong because our people are strong. And together we are building a safe, strong, and proud America. Well, a few problems with that. First, the state of our union is not strong. It wasn't strong a year ago. It wasn't strong two years ago. It wasn't strong three years ago or 13 years ago, or 30 years ago, and it hasn't miraculously become strong in the past year. Secondly, if and or when this nation regains actual, factual strength, it will not be because the people are strong. That's not what made this nation great initially, before it was even a nation. That's not where our strength as a people come from. It's not from ourselves. It's not from the flesh of our arms. It's not from the brilliant intellect of our mind, even God-given intellect. The strength of this nation was and what strength there is out there, not homogeneous strength, but what strength there is in this nation is strength from God, help from God, assistance from God, And what strength there is in people is in godly people and is not physical, fleshly strength, but spiritual strength. Absent that, this nation never would have amounted to anything. You can say, well, wait a minute. What about those other nations? What about Germany? What about the Third Reich? What about Russia? What about China? They became military powerhouses. Yes, they did. But absent godliness, righteousness, and justness, and mercy, and kindness, and love, absent faith in the one true God, They were horrible, monstrous, evil regimes. The Nazi regime and the Soviet regime and the communist Chinese regime, every one of them absolutely murderous, heinous, evil regimes. So it depends on your definition of greatness, but this is pertaining to strong. We are strong. Really? Well, that is contradicted by so much data out there and contradicted in the State of the Union address. But moving along, he goes on to mention many different things and take credit for many different things. And I do not mind his doing so. However... However, I would advise him to be 
more temperate in taking credit for accomplishments or improvements in circumstances. He states the following, We eliminated an especially cruel tax that fell mostly on Americans making less than $50,000 a year, forcing them to pay tremendous penalties simply because they could not afford government-ordered health plans. We repealed the core of disastrous Obamacare. The individual mandate is now gone. That is something that is extremely deserving of mention. Whether to crow about it is another matter, but certainly the Assured Care Act, so-called, otherwise known as Obamacare, was an abomination and has done all manner of harm to Americans. And not accidentally, not unintentionally, no. It was not a case of unintended consequences. It was carefully, deliberately crafted to force the United States of America into socialized medical care. The president then, Obama, lied and lied and lied and lied, as did others within his administration and who were directly responsible for this. They premeditatedly lied to impose this upon the American people and to crush those whom they desired to crush and to benefit those whom they chose to benefit. And to use this as a Trojan horse to enable them to sack the American medical system, medical health, health insurance system, and to replace it with a system under total government control and that would achieve government ends which were the brainchild of the architects using the American people as dupes and imposing their ungodly standards upon them so that they could withhold health care from people in the future. They could make decisions about who lived and who died in the future. But I digress. President Trump goes on to say, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in America, then you can dream anything. You can be anything. And together we can achieve anything. Well, how often have we heard that kind of refrain? And that supposedly is so inspirational, meaning to breathe life into something. Supposedly so inspirational that anybody can become anything, can be anything. And of course, in this day and age, we're saying to the children, well, the girls can become boys and the boys can become girls. Now, that's not what President Trump was saying here, but that certainly is a message that is being communicated to them. In addition to, yes, you can become sodomites, you can become sexual perverts, you can 
this, that, and the other, but you can even change sexes. That is a take on you can become anything. You can be anything. But the real problem is this. If you believe in yourself, if you believe in America, well, you don't have to believe in yourself or America to dream anything, despite what he says. As far as achieving whatever you desire, life is not fair. It's not fair in communist China. It's not fair in vicious, ruthless communist regime North Korea. It's not fair in Islamo-fascist Iran. It's not fair in the United States of America. There's a great deal of unfairness and inequity. There are those who insist that it is principally institutional. Oh, and this terrible, supposedly intractable racism of white against black. When in fact, there is much more evidence, vice versa. But The unfairness has to do with many different things. It's represented in many different places. Affirmative action, so-called, you know, like saying the Assured Care Act, (laughs) or it's for the children. So affirmative action. Okay, it's not reverse discrimination. Heavens no. It's not tit for tat, as some would view it. Or what goes around comes around, or whatever. But affirmative action has resulted in a great deal of unfairness of inequity, of injustice. You would never hear that from the likes of certain NFL quarterbacks and NFL star players and the head of the NFL who was only making $40 million a year and now in his last negotiations was pushing for much more than that for $50 mil plus private use of NFL's aircraft at his beck and call for his pleasure and so forth. But no, (laughs) it's not what they refer to as unfairness in inequity. But there has been massive and there continues to be massive unfairness and inequity across the United States of America. Even though small businesses in the form initially chiefly of farms and then of farms and ranches and then industrial businesses. Small business was responsible for ever so much of the employment in this nation and of the wealth production And yet, the federal government, for decades and decades and decades and decades, has seen fit to destroy the American dream, to steal, as it were, farms and ranches and businesses from families via its onerous estate taxes, death taxes, inheritance taxes. As un-American a thing as there can be has been this. 
And it has impoverished not only these families, destroyed family businesses, but it has impoverished the nation. It's something that you expect to find in the communist regimes. They just take them all. It's something that you find in the fascist regimes. There are those whom they favor and they support and who are in cahoots with them. And then there are those who are on the outs and whom they summarily destroy. But here in the United States of America, where we are all supposed to strive for whatever we desire, dream what we wish to dream, we can achieve anything as long as we work hard and so on and so forth. Really? Well, the United States of America has summarily destroyed small businesses, family businesses, has taken family businesses from those families via these absolutely wicked taxes for so very long. And to this day, the Democrat Party, the dear Democrat Party, fights tooth and nail to retain those death taxes, estate taxes. But if you believe in yourself, if you believe in America, you can be anything, you can achieve anything. We can, all together. He says, you can be anything, and together, together, we can achieve anything. Yes, at a point here and a point there, he will pay lip service to God. They always do. They will pay lip service to God. But make sure that you understand it is just that. It is lip service to God because all of the strength, all of the power, all of the achievement is due to the people. We the people Believing in ourselves, believing in America, not in God. And time and time and time again, he emphasizes the value of pride. Pride, 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 pride. Being proud and prideful. It's not a virtue. Pride is not a Virtue. I know that runs counter to so very much of what we hear. But according to the one that created us, pride is not a virtue. Pride in God is a different matter. Self-pride is not a virtue. The president goes on to say, all of us together as one team, one people, and one American family. Fascinating. We're all one team. Well, in that case, let's disband the Democrat Party, the Republican Party. We're all in this together. We're all one team. We all think the same way. We all have the same values, the same beliefs, the same convictions, right? We're all in unity. We are of one accord. Except that's a total lie, a total fabrication. And he goes on to say, we all share the same home, the same heart, the same destiny, and the same great American flag. 
And together we are rediscovering the American way. Together we are. So let me go back over that. We all share the same heart. Heart is spirit. Now, sure, people can bandy around the word heart now and mean something very far from that. But in the Bible, heart is spirit. It's a person's spirit. And I have news for you is that, and hopefully this is not news actually, people across the United States of America do not all share the same spirit. We all have individual spirits, and those who are good and godly, those who are kind and gentle and loving and caring and self-sacrificing, their spirits have a certain amount in agreement, in common. And then there are those who hate God, hate the Bible, hate the Ten Commandments, hate the Constitution, who are foes of the United States of America, domestic foes, as well as, of course, the foreign foes, hate marriage. Again, their battle cry, marriage is legalized rape. Remember? That is the sodomite battle cry from yesteryear that they've just tucked away for a rainy day. Hate marriage, hate family, hate Christianity, but who will very gladly support and endorse and enable and facilitate Islam and Sharia law, and anything and everything else out there that's opposed, mortally opposed to Christianity and to a Christian foundation in the United States of America and a Christian America, absolutely opposed to it to the death. Oh, but we all share the same heart and the same destiny. No, we do not share the same eternal destiny. We may share a similar destiny in our lifetimes if this nation is overthrown. then we would share a common destiny. And that may very well be. Not to hear this president tell it, this is never going to happen. No. He goes on to say, in America, we know that faith and family, not government and bureaucracy, are the center of the American life. Our motto is, in God we trust. Really, that is... How all people in America believe that in God we trust? Really? Well, let's take the sodomites out of that equation. All of those who are dedicated to overthrowing the truth of God, the word of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God including apostate ministers and the like, and apostate denominations, which have promoted induced abortion and the sodomite agenda and euthanasia, and the list just goes on and on. Let's take them out of the equation Take the Islamo-fascists out of the equation because this in God we are trusting in is not their God who happens to be Satan. 
and they are absolutely mortally at war with the God of the in God we trust. Then let's remove the members of the Supreme Court who hate God. Let's remove the federal judges that hate God. Let's remove the congressmen, the senators, including all of those wonderful women politicians in those positions that hate God. Previous presidents and first ladies that hate God, regardless what they say publicly. And all of those other chiefs of industry and members of the media, of the press, and of the entertainment industries, including sports, and all of the others out there that despise a godly America. Let's remove them from that equation and just keep on removing them. Keep on removing all of these, and let's see if it's we, if it's all of us are together on one team, one family, one group, We all are together. We're one people, and we all think the same thing and want the same thing, and so on and so forth. It is such an outrageous lie. And the pressure to deliver a stirring speech should not, should not, compel one to communicate such untruths as were communicated in this State of the Union address. The president goes on to say, Americans love their country. That's right. In case you didn't know that, all Americans love their country. Really? Do you really imagine that is true? Now, when he's saying Americans, I don't know if he means citizens or if he means everybody that's here in the United States of America. I don't know. But I know that there are citizens here in the United States of America, not just naturalized citizens, but citizens who are second generation, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, who hate and despise what this nation still has remnants of. (laughs) And there are people here who are not citizens who actually do love what this nation was founded to be. He goes on to say, that last year the Congress passed and I signed the landmark Veterans Administration Accountability Act. Since its passage, my administration has already removed more than 1,500 VA employees who failed to give our veterans the care they deserve. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Aren't those 1,500-plus people who have been removed, aren't they we? You know, part of the same team, part of the same family who love America? I guess not, because they've been fired. They've been removed for doing a rotten job of serving the needs of wounded, of disabled veterans. And then he goes on to say, I call on Congress to empower every cabinet secretary with the authority to reward good workers and to remove federal employees who undermine the public trust or fail the American people. Wait a minute. Aren't those employees part of we, the team, we, the people, we, the same family, the same group, the great omnibus here? I guess not, because... He's asking Congress to empower cabinet secretaries to remove them. Am I saying that it's a wrong thing to fire bad federal employees? Heavens, no. 
What I'm saying is it's disingenuous to communicate these directly, diametrically contradicting things. It's a pity that we can't get rid of all the horrible, evil, grievously unjust federal judges who have lifetime appointments and Supreme Court judges who have lifetime appointments, and the list goes on, and members of Congress and the Senate and so on and so forth, but who can be voted out of office, those in Congress and Senate. Now, because I'm running out of time, I'm not going to mention some things that he said that were, that deserved to be said. But he goes on to say, one of the greatest priorities is to reduce the price of prescription drugs. In many other countries, these drugs cost far less than what we pay in the United States. That is why I have directed my administration to make fixing the injustice of high drug prices one of our top priorities. Wait a minute. I thought the State of the Union was strong and the economy was booming And the American people, we, the American people, we all love life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We all want the same things. And now, now he's going to require government to fix this problem of high drug prices. What is the reason for these high drug prices? Does it have anything to do with the pharmaceutical companies? Possibly. Could it be their responsibility to do something about that and not to be forced to do something about that? No, certainly not. Certainly not. He goes on to say, we can lift our citizens from welfare to work, from dependence to independence, and from poverty to prosperity. Rah, rah. But wait a minute. Whoever we is, we can. What about enabling them to lift themselves? Helping them to help themselves? No. No, we, we, the government and who knows what all else, we can lift our citizens from welfare roles to employment, you know from dependence to independence, from poverty to prosperity. And then he voices his support for paid family leave. Again, not maternity leave, family leave. And then he goes on to say that we will embark on reforming our prisons to help former inmates who have served their time get a second chance. That's right, you know, none of those poor inmates have ever gotten a second chance, right? None of them have. None of them have committed two murders, you know, two rapes. No, no, nothing like that. None of them has, have ever had a second chance. So we need to make sure they all get a second chance, even if they've had 10,000 chances before. Hmm? Even if they have enslaved, raped, pimped girls for the past 20 years, 30 years. But then he goes on to mention two teenage girls, Kayla Cuevas and Nisa Mickens, who were brutally murdered while walking together in their hometown. Six members of the Savage Gang MS-13 have been charged with Kayla and Nisa's murders. Many of these gang members took advantage of glaring loopholes in our laws to enter the country as unaccompanied alien minors. And they wound up in Kayla's and Nisa's high school. So they only murdered them. They didn't rape and murder them. They didn't gang rape and murder them, which I suspect is actually what happened. But they've been arrested. They've been charged. Okay, so what's going to happen next? Are they going to be deported? Are they going to be executed 
as they should be. And even that is mild compared to what should be done to them. But the way we execute people, very mild-mannered. But he goes on to say to the parents, tonight, everyone in this chamber is praying for you. Everyone in America is grieving for you. And 320 million hearts are breaking for you. Really? Everyone in this chamber, every member of Congress and all of the other people gathered there for the State of the Union address are praying for Evelyn, Elizabeth, Freddie, and Robert, the parents of these girls. Everyone is praying for them because everyone in Congress is a praying person. Every member of the House of Representatives, every member of the Senate, every member of the Supreme Court, and the list goes on. They're all praying people. First of all, they're not. Secondly, even among those who are praying people, some of them pray to Satan. And they're not praying good things. But, so we're supposed to believe everyone is grieving for you. Everyone in America is grieving for you. 320 million hearts are breaking for you. What absolute nonsense and falsehood. We can make sure that other families never have to endure this pain. He goes on to say something that is quasi-true. My duty and the sacred duty of every elected official in this chamber is to defend Americans, to protect their safety, their families, their communities, and their right to the American dream. But again, going back to that, we can make sure that other families never have to endure this pain again. All right. We can make certain that no teenage girls are ever gang-raped and murdered again by vicious destroyers. Really? No. We can minimize it by executing destroyers, but we cannot make sure. Well, this president is going to, if he receives support from Congress, from the Senate, going to do something about the immigration mess that exists. And he does reference catch and release, ending that and the visa lottery, and chain migration. And they need to be eliminated. Then he references rivals like China and Russia that challenge our interests, our economy, and our values, but of course are no danger to the security of this nation. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you. 